Welcome to the Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. A storm rages dark and loud over the Fenton's village, keeping all of them in the house and unable to know what is going on out there. What has the Lord and Lady of the Frost got in store? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Storm. Tom awoke first, sure even in his groggy state that it was morning. How he knew he wasn't sure. The world outside seemed dark, but still that clock that must tick beneath our eyelids as we sleep, and usually reliably, told him that it was morning. He was about to open his eyes and work out what was going on when a crash and roll of sound filled him, filled everything. He opened his eyes at once. He was asleep with the others in Ella's room and the skylight was directly above him and the sky directly above him was filled with dark black clouds. Then it flashed with lightning and then the thunder came again. Tom sat up and hugged his knees. The thunder went on and on, and as it did, the others woke. Ella sat up and went pale. Jasmine's eyes widened and she stood up to look out of the window even closer. Joel joined her. The thunder was getting louder and stronger, and now came a new patter, but stronger than rain. Hail was pouring down, slamming onto the windows. This is wild, Joel said, the first words any of them had said. Read us the poem, Ella, Tom said, having to make himself heard over all of the noise. Ella scrambled around in her bedside table, which was partially obscured by Jasmine's mattress, and then she read, Then the flashing, crashing power darkens skies and darkens minds. Then the theft of something precious, maybe never more to find. Stand strong and keep these words close, guardians for of future Thor. Let not strife nor faith divide you, or winter will last half a century more. That's the whole rest of the poem. Lightning lit up the sky and the room for a moment again. That's the flashing, crashing power, I guess, Jasmine said firmly. But what do we do? Ella frowned and looked at the book again. I don't know, she admitted. Do any of you? They all shook their heads. Maybe a party, Jasmine said, uncertain. Maybe it's like when we had to bring bright spring hope. It doesn't sound like an instruction, Joel spoke, turning back to them all from the window. It sounds like a mysterious letter or something, like a warning. The day before, Mrs Mondoli had told them that the worst was still to come. The door opened and Mum came in. Morning, you lot. Did you get any sleep at all? We did, Jasmine said, running and giving Mum a cuddle. She looked like she needed it. The storm started in the middle of the night, Mum said, and it keeps going on. I don't know what's going on. I've never seen 
anything like it. The children gave each other meaningful glances. They knew exactly what was going on, but they weren't about to tell Mum that the evil Lord and Lady of the Frost had sent the storm to bring a fifty-year winter. Mum yawned. Get dressed, then. Looks like we'll be inside today. I'll make some pancakes, if you like. The kids agreed, but when Mum was gone, they looked at each other. What were they meant to do today? Whatever it was, getting dressed was a good start, and so they did that, then went downstairs for pancakes. Dad had emerged too, but was quiet, sitting with a coffee. They tucked into their pancakes, but Ella couldn't help feeling that pancakes usually tasted a lot more like joy and happiness and deliciousness. Outside the kitchen window, the hail continued to fall, landing on top of the snow. Sometimes it would change into snow for a while and the wind would blow it around so that you could hardly see anything out of the windows at all. I think, Dad spoke loudly as though making a grand announcement, it is finally time for Aunt Maud's puzzle. This announcement would usually have been met with groans or jokes, but today everyone just agreed politely to Dad's surprise. That Christmas, an enormous puzzle had appeared for the family from their ancient and distant Aunt Maud. The picture was the inside of a cottage and it was filled with cats. Joel thought the only thing worse than doing a 2,500-piece puzzle was the picture itself. But today, no one could think of anything else and after they had gloomily cleared up breakfast, each looked outside many times to see if the weather was clearing and put on more layers against the cold, and they sat down to Aunt Maud's puzzle. It was dreadful. Many colours were the same, and the pieces were tiny. First they were sorting through them, looking for the edge and corner pieces, but even that seemed to take forever. Joel, eager to get started with the puzzle proper, started trying to put some pieces together, but that annoyed Ella and Tom, who wanted to do it properly. It wasn't going well. Dad kept looking at emails on his phone and Mum got annoyed with him. She spilled her tea. Joel started throwing puzzle pieces and trying to get them to land in the box. Jasmine started giving the cats in the picture terrible names. Ella kept working on the puzzle, getting more and more annoyed. And Tom watched everyone, the tension inside him growing and growing. What was going on anyway? What were they supposed to do? Had they missed something really important? Like the puzzle pieces, the questions and thoughts turned over and around in the Fenton's minds as they tried to fit them together. Dad went over and put the light on with an expression of wonder that they needed it, even in the morning. The edges of the puzzle gradually started to join together. The thunder crashed again, so loudly that Ella was sure it must be directly above their house. She put her hands over her ears. Jasmine threw the pieces she'd been sorting, those of a particular beige colour, down on the table and looked out of the window. I'm going to read a book, she announced, and the others stared at her in wonder. Though Jasmine loved stories... She loved bouncing around too much to ever choose to sit and read a book. She disappeared upstairs. 
It was Joel next. Sorry, Aunt Maud. He gave a kind of smile. I'm done. These cats can put themselves together. He went upstairs too. Tom and Ella gave each other nervous glances and they didn't last much longer. Ella said she wanted to check on something and Tom, realising his parents weren't really paying any attention anyway, simply slipped out of the room. They went to the twins' room. The twins were pulling on extra layers of clothing. Where are you going? Ella demanded and they looked up at her. Just to check, Jasmine said, trying to sound reassuring. Just to check everything is okay or or whether we need to do something. You know you can't go on your own, Tom spoke up now. Why not, Joel said competitively. We're just going to look. We have to stick together, you know that. Or have you forgotten the ice cage? Ella was exasperated. And we have to figure it all out together. I can't bear just sitting and waiting and doing that terrible puzzle, Jasmine burst out and she stood up on the bed. If we're meant to fight this, then let's fight. We're meant to do what the book tells us, Tom said, his voice wobbling. Not not just go and do our own thing. Who made you two the experts on this whole thing? Joel snapped. Why do we always have to do what you say? I'm not an expert, but the book says, Ella started. The book isn't the only thing that helps us. We would never have got away with yesterday if Mrs Mondoli hadn't rescued us. Though at least I had realised it and I was trying. Mrs Mondoli, Ella said very loudly. She's perfect. We can ask her what is going on. The others quieted and frowned. Ella was right. Maybe Mrs Mondoli would have a good idea. They went to the phone in their parents' room for privacy and rang her number. The phone rang and rang and rang. There was no answer. She's probably having a nap or something, Joel said, but his voice sounded uneasy and all of them were worried. If we were meant to do something and and people have got hurt, Jasmine said, looking daggers at Ella. Ella suddenly threw her arms up, sending the book flying onto the bed. Fine then. If you know everything, why don't you be in charge? She turned on the spot and marched out, off to her room. The thunder roared overhead and Tom felt something swelling inside him. He looked at the twins and shouted... Why do you two always spoil everything? Can't you just, just... He was so overcome that he couldn't finish the sentence and in turn he stormed out of the room too. I'm sick and tired of this family, Joel said hotly, then turned to his twin, even you. And he left too and Jasmine was left alone. She felt rage shudder through her and then she cried a bit and then she sat down on her parents' bed. She picked up the book and leafed through the pages, not reading. She saw the picture for that day for the first time, a flash of lightning. Later on, the phone rang and it was the Bawtrees, seeing if Jasmine and Joel wanted to come and play. 
Jasmine accepted but warned off Joel, feeling glad to get out of the house and away from the family, and Dad drove her slowly through the wind and snow. At the Bawtree's house, they had set up the living room with a video game and popcorn and drinks, and Jasmine sat down, determined to forget everyone else and have fun. She had left the book at home, of course. But as she played, she found herself getting more and more annoyed with the game, with her friends, with everything and everyone. She snapped at Madison and Caitlin. Inside, she panicked, not wanting to be this way, but she couldn't seem to stop. At home, Ella had gone to find Mum, who was ironing. Ella tried to help, trying to be the oldest, the responsible one, the one who was helpful and good. But today, it didn't work. Something inside her was churning, and she couldn't stop it. Why did she have to do all these things? Why couldn't she just have fun? Without even thinking about it properly, Ella grabbed the shirt Mum had just ironed and threw it across the floor before bursting into tears and running out of the room. She looked around and saw Joel, who was sitting on the floor, sullenly kicking a ball about back and forward against the wall. She booted it with all her strength and it flew into the air and knocked over a pile of board games, sending pieces everywhere. What was that for? Joel shouted, standing up, and Mum came to see what all the noise was about. Tom, upstairs, had crept into his parents' bedroom, his heart beating fast. He had a mission. He saw the book on Jasmine's bed, picked it up, then ran back to his room. He read again. Then the flashing, crashing power darkens skies and darkens minds. Then the theft of something precious, maybe never more to find. Stand strong and keep these words close, guardians for of future Thor. Let not strife nor faith divide you, or winter will last half a century more. His insides squirmed as he read. Why did the others have to create so much drama, even Ella? and an understanding came over him. He knew what today was about. The storm outside was darkening the skies, but a storm inside was darkening all of their minds. He threw down the book and crossed to the window. How did a storm clear? It must be the wind, the changing weather. His heart and his mind seesawed. He knew he needed to try to clear this storm to bring the others together again, to stop the darkness from tearing them apart. But the darkness was fighting him too, and Tom felt an anger deep inside, a frustration, a wild thing, like a wolf was pacing, howling. Why did he always have to be the calm one? Why couldn't he go off in a strop and everyone would pay him attention for once? Why did he have to be the youngest? The door slammed downstairs. Jasmine was back. Tom heard voices downstairs begin to rise in volume. They were shouting again. He gave a deep sigh. Maybe they deserved 50 years of winter. Then he heard another voice and it woke him up. It was Mum coming to try to calm everyone down. Mum. Mum didn't deserve 50 years of winter. He remembered Mum sunbathing at the beach, Mum laughing as she swam in the sea, 
Mum relentlessly covering them in sun cream. He gave a deep sigh, then went down the stairs. He stopped a few steps up, so the others could all see him, and he was taller than them for once. All of you, listen, he said, as loud as he could without it being a shout. Now, I want you all to calm down and come and read this book together, please. Mum looked at him curiously, then kindly, in the way she did when he was being the youngest and couldn't keep up with his siblings. But the others had gone quiet. Tom tried to convey to them with his eyes that he had something to say to them, tried to call a ceasefire just for as long as it would take for him to explain. Mum seemed to make a decision. Go on, you lot, go and read the book with Tom. Upstairs, the lot of you. Dad's going to Hoover. They trooped upstairs obediently, and Tom led the way to his room. The others looked at him, sullen and cross. Outside, the dark clouds still blotted the sun. Today was about attacking us, Tom said quietly. Not the village, really. About putting darkness in us and tearing us apart. I think we've got the last battle tomorrow and we won't be able to do it if we're not together. So that's why we've all been so grumpy and everything today. The others listened and scowled. It was one of those things that you understood to be true but didn't want to believe and definitely didn't want to act differently because of it. It says that tomorrow something precious will be stolen, Tom went on earnestly, and we might lose it forever. Maybe if we can get ahead of ourselves now, we can stop it being stolen in the first place. And gradually, pulled by their brother's softness, by a new awareness, by the allure of a problem to be solved, the others came back to themselves and dispelled the darkness, though edges of it rested in their knees and elbows and in between their words, making them awkward for the first while as they came together again. What do we even have that is precious? Joel said, screwing up his nose. The car, Tom said. Dad's old books, was Ella. The TV, Jasmine said. But none of those things seemed quite right. None of them were things they would miss dearly. But then what could it be? Let's make a list. Jasmine said, trying to show herself being helpful. And so Tom found some paper and a pencil and they started writing down all their precious things, however silly. What next? Joel said, looking up and down the list. We've got to protect these things. The list was very long, from Dad's fishing rod, to Joel's sports magazines, to Ella's favourite doll, to Mum's pearl earrings. And as sneakily as they could, the kids began to hide those things, mostly in their bedrooms. Joel persuaded Dad to move the car into the garage. It took them until tea time, but at last they thought they were done. Mum and Dad had been busy and had not noticed them trooping about with all sorts of strange things, hiding violins under their beds or the nice plates in their wardrobes. At tea, the kids were relieved and managed to smile and laugh and joke again, feeling all the lighter for shaking off the tenseness. 
Tomorrow was the last day of the poem. Maybe it would be the end of all this. They had made everything as safe as they could, and outside the storm had begun to clear. After tea, they started on Aunt Maud's puzzle again in much better spirits, and they persuaded Dad to tell funny stories from her from when he was young, and they all laughed lots and lots, and any darkness that had dared to linger in an earlobe or little toe was completely dispelled. The Fentons were together again. Before bed, they gathered in Ella's room and went through the list, making sure everything was ticked off. They hugged and promised to stick together the next day. They felt confident, sure, they would see the end of the Lord and Lady of the Frost. As they looked out of the window, the sky was clear and they could see the stars shine. Surely they were at the end now, the last small task. There were no silhouettes against the snow, no signs of hoofprints, nothing. As Tom snuggled into bed, he had a sudden thought. There was something precious to him that he hadn't protected. He sneaked out onto the landing and down the stairs. Mum and Dad were watching TV quite loudly and he managed to get past them. He put his wellies and a coat on and went outside. He was going to check on his sledge. He walked around the edge of the garage to where the roof overhung and the sledges lives. He walked around the edge of the garage to where the roof overhung and the sledges lived. And then he heard the roaring of wind in his ears and then he heard nothing more. Upstairs, the rest of the Fentons fell asleep. The last day of the frost was still to come. The end. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having a great week back at school. Which is your favourite story forest series? The Night Castle, Sapphire Islands, Princess Isabel? Let us know and you can catch up or listen again whenever you like. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.